0: I think, I mean, I think the main thing that I want to share in speaking about being a kind of a support person, and maybe you can, uh, maybe some of this resonates with you on the people that have helped you. But I think the main thing is to have the skill of um, patience and to remove yourself from The situation and not take things personally, Um, because if if you if you get on unstable ground as a support person, you're not going to be super helpful. (laughs) What's
1: up, everybody, and welcome to the Stable Cyclist Podcast. My name is JP, and this week's episode is brought to you by Flow Formulas. If you are training for a big event coming up or just training in general, you need Flow Formulas in your bottles and in your recovery. And when you go and purchase your next order of Flow Formulas, I got a discount code for you to cut down on that cost a little bit. You can use the code JOHNPETER15 at checkout for a discount. Now, my guest this week is Andrew Lespi L'Esperance. He is a professional mountain bike and gravel racer for Maxxis Factory Racing. And We are going to dig in here shortly, but before we do, if you like the podcast, do me a favor and share it with your friends. And Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review, please and thank you. All right, enough of all that. Let's get Lesby in the studio. Well, Andrew Lesperance, or Lesby, or Andrew, I've heard you called a lot of different things, but uh, welcome to the Stable Cyclist Podcast. It is really good to have you here, and you are currently on the West Coast, is that correct?
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, currently in Santa Cruz, California right now, just doing a couple weeks of training before the first uh, first races of the year.
1: All right, and what do you have on tap uh, for those first few races this season?
0: Yeah, so... Um, On the 22nd flying over to spain to do andalusia it's a six-day mountain bike stage race uh it's a pairs race which is a lot of fun um and yeah gonna be doing that with my new teammate uh sean on max's factory racing and uh yeah looking forward to it looking forward to getting the season started
1: awesome Well, yeah. I have heard you on a number of podcasts. Um, We've crossed paths a little bit online uh, through some like um, co-sharing of of partners or sponsors, I guess. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I've almost always heard you in the podcast settings uh, with your partner, Haley. And rarely have I gotten to hear you just talk on your own. And it's not that I don't want to talk to Haley at some point, but I think there's a lot of value in where we're going to go with this conversation today. And in the the couple of conversations where we have had the chance to just hear you, uh, the the host is usually like jump straight into whatever you're doing, whether it's whiskey off-road or uh, talking about the clothing apparel company you used to be uh, with in the past. And I want to hear more of like your story or get to know, like if we sat down for a cup of coffee, you know, my question would be like, how, how did you get to be a pro bike racer? Uh, My friend Kelly McGelkey kind of, we joke about like, tell me zero to like pro license. Mm -hmm. Um, and how, like, how how did you get here doing this? Because that's a huge part of where everything else in the conversation is going to go.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a, uh a big question a long story i guess but i'll try to keep it brief um yeah i grew up uh i'm canadian i grew up on the east coast of canada in um, a small province called nova scotia uh grew up just outside the capital city of that province halifax and yeah i'm the youngest of four boys in a family so um yeah and grew up kind of in a sort of outdoor lifestyle. We grew up on a, um, outside the city, plenty of woods to play in and around, um, grew up on the water. So plenty of time spent like hiking along the coast, um, you know, hiking as a family, that sort of thing, sailing. And I definitely, uh, you know, being outdoors was a big part of, my life growing up um i did a lot of different sports uh a variety of sports school sports probably the more competitive one that i did before cycling or while i was uh, cycling when i was younger was diving like springboard diving um and i took that to a certain level and retired at age 15 as you sometimes do with these sorts of sports (laughs) uh but yeah essentially um me my family and i we always had we were lucky to have bikes around we rode bikes on vacations and um being the youngest of four boys i i looked up to my older brothers i um followed them and everything that they did and uh especially so to my oldest brother whom there's there's a there's a fairly large age gap. Um, I think it's, it's about 12 years. Um, and at one point, uh, like he rode mountain bikes with his friends and he did a race and, you know, I just wanted to be my older brother. So, you know, as soon as he did a race, I, uh, I wanted to do one and, uh, yeah, we had a local Tuesday night short track series in Halifax. Uh, and I showed up to that and, Kind of just kept climbing the rungs um, for since then. So that was when I was 12. And I've kind of been doing some version of uh, bike racing full time and obviously lots of stuff along the way, working at a bike shop, doing an engineering degree, um, running my own team, racing for other teams. And, uh, but yeah, just I think I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Uh, and I've just been working at it for a long period of time. And, um, I sometimes say that I'm a really good trier. I just keep trying and that's what I've been doing. And yeah, here I am.
1: Here you are indeed. Um, you, I, I can remember the first time I came across you was probably 2018 or 2019. And of course, seeing your name. On the World Cups, as the lists of people would come through the line, and I remember that you were referenced as uh, Haley's partner, and mm, she yeah. had, she had just had a big race. Um, it might have been a Novi Mesto. Um but I remember like putting you two together, and you were both racing on Norco at the time, I believe. Um, and talk us through that world of of racing World Cups, and like just you said, I was I just kept climbing the the rungs of the ladder. What was it like from you go to racing like grassroots short track, which is, is like one of the best ways to get into racing for a kid? Like it's super it's fun, really. but you also like bleed out of your eyeballs, but like not in a long way. It's like, well, that was done quick. You go from that sh- super short stuff and and like work your way through to all of a sudden you are at Nobemastel. You're at Albstadt. You're at these huge races uh, with, you know, millions of people watching on Red Bull at the time. What, what was that like to go and race those races and that be like, this is my job?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, still, uh, it's still not lost on me. Like the uh, like being at these big international races, it's, it's pretty special. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, it was just kind of climbing the ladder, uh, you know, from the short track races, you do a provincial race. Uh, I guess it would in the u s it would be the equivalent of like a a state you know a state series race something like that yeah and then and then you go to go to an out of province race or national championships and then um I think my first opportunity with the Canadian national team was after I performed at uh, a national series race or national champs, and then I got invited to do um at that time there was still junior world cups. The junior category was still included in the world cups. So I did a project or a trip where I did, um, the Mont St. Anne world cup and the Bromont world cup. And, you know, I did pretty well there. And then, yeah, you, uh, I managed to, uh, you know, perform well, uh, you know, and kind of keep getting those opportunities and, and being in a position to say yes. And, um, yeah. And then all the way till, uh, you know, racing on Norco factory team where it is more of a, you know, a professional thing. Um, it's your job. Um, at that point, I'm partners with Haley. Uh, yeah, it's, and, I mean that that race in particular you're talking about was extremely special because that was that was uh, one where Haley um, finished on the podium, um, which is yeah it's a pretty big deal. It was an incredible performance, and uh, being part of that was super special. I remember that moment super vividly. I was out on course watching uh, Haley race, and I um, there's sort of a bit of in that. Uh, finishing section at Nova Mesto, there's sort of a section of pavement, you know, not right beside the course, but, um, yeah. And I remember riding towards the finish on that pavement and I, I think I had my hands up while she was going across the line and yeah, it was a special, special moment for sure. And yeah, I don't know if I answered your question there, but
1: <laughs> no, it, it's all, it's all good. There's, there's two things. Uh, her celebration at the finish line of that, is to me, like there, there could be a lot of other memories in my head of watching mountain bike racing over the years that would be burned in my head, but hers getting that podium and celebrating and like mouthing an expletive, like mm. F yeah, is like one of the things that I'm just like, yes, uh, I, I think it's so incredible. Cause you just, you, you feel for the underdog that you guys with the Norco team, what you were trying to accomplish and what you did accomplish. Um, but I, I want to talk about for you personally, like as you're coming through those steps, you know, you go from provincials to like on a lot much bigger scale to national team to all of a sudden you're realizing like, I I think this can become my job. This thing I love doing. Where was your mentality at like going into those races? Were those things you were nervous about? Because to me, I you Andrew has a show, uh, Off-Roads, In-Roads. I don't know if you guys are going to continue it, um, but in the past, if you've listened to it, you are a super chill guy. Uh, <laughs> to me, you don't seem like if the house started on fire, you're going to be the person like going crazy on the way out. You're going to calmly like, okay, everybody calm down We need to do this. So as you're approaching all these races for the first time, like potentially like life-defining or career-defining races, how are you dealing with that internally? mm. Yeah, it's or uh, or, did, or did you have did you have people around you kind of helping you deal with that internally?
0: Yeah, 100%. Um I uh i worked with a coach for uh 10 years before that and for like most of my XEO career working with him. Um and obviously uh yeah, he, he was a huge help in supporting me along the way and helping, you know, helping with mindset. Um I also work with a sport uh a sport sport performance consultant or like a mental performance consultant. They have lots of different titles, uh but yeah, and she she also just uh I worked with her for about 5 years and yeah, just uh helped me massively in dealing with um I mean, yeah, just the stresses surrounding racing, because they're definitely there. You're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Um, you know, expectations are high. And yeah, I think uh, it, it was a very gradual process. Um, as I climbed those kind of ranks, when pressure increased, the scale of things increased. And um, yeah, you just kind of learn to... Deal with it along the way with the support of those people that I mentioned, and that that's sort of um, that's what happened for me. And it uh, it always didn't go smoothly. Um, there was definitely some moments where I would break down and, and not be able to deal. But uh, yeah, that's that's where you lean on the people around you. That being Haley, my coach, mental performance call, consultant, those sorts of people.
1: For sure. So you race XC exclusively, uh, pretty much through 2021. And then this big new sexy monster comes onto the scene called the lifetime Grand Prix. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you make yourself, you, you make your way into it. Um, what was the transition like to decide Was part of it that like Norco wasn't going to be a thing or did it not become a thing because you and Haley moved on from it? Or what was the main thrust to get you to go from like, hey, all we do is race World Cups and XCO. That's our main focus to like we're going to go do stuff like Unbound and Leadville and Crusher. These races that are like so far off the radar, I would think for a pro XC person.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this style of racing wasn't that far off the radar. Um, I, I really enjoy this sort of what I classify as adventure racing, at least compared to World Cup XCO. Uh, and ever since uh, in 2017, Haley and I did Croc Trophy, which is a eight-day mountain bike stage race in Australia. And that sort of kind of opened our eyes to this other side of the sport. And since then, uh, we always managed to find time at the beginning of the season or the end of the season to add in one of these sort of adventure races. So for us, that was... Uh, I mean, I, I did Epic Israel a couple times, Swiss Epic. Um, there was a yeah, probably a couple others, um, some U.S. races, Iceman, these sorts of things that are just they're they're exciting because they're different, um, different skill sets. They're they're valuable because they do allow you to like learn some different things compared with you know doing a 90 minute XCO, um, they, they, they also help you kind of expand your perspective on what's possible. It's a different, it's a different thing doing an eight day stage race versus a 90 minute XCO. And you can learn a lot about yourself doing that. But yeah, long story short, well, I've, I, this racing has been on my radar for a while and I sort of always, I think I always knew in the back of my mind that I would try to find my way there try to find my way to this sort of racing before the pandemic. Um, I had an, I, I threw my name in for the, the lottery for unbound and I had a spot. Um, so this is about two years before I joined Maxis factor racing and with the pandemic and then team schedules and that sort of thing, I had to defer it, uh, a few years, um, And I never actually got to use it. I ended up uh, giving it away because uh, by the time I was in a position to use it, I was in the Grand Prix. Um, But, yeah, I mean, joining Max's Factory Racing, it was a combination of things. The timing was right. Um, And I sort of, you know, that year, um, 20... 2021 was super tough um, for both for both Haley and I and um, yeah I I did not have that good a season but I was able to pull together one result uh, and I won BC Bike Race and that timing was really good for the formation of um, Max's Factory Racing and it was a you know, a a very solid result on a known race in this sort of space where this team was focusing, and yeah, um, you know that that helped me with that opportunity, and we were able to get Haley on board as well, and then yeah, that's where we were for the next two years. So let's let's talk through
1: your evolution, kind of in the Lifetime Grand Prix, twenty twenty two. You you finished sixth overall. And you start off 2023, uh, you get fifth in the points at sea otter last year and everything's great. (laughs) Talk us like, talk us through, uh, kind of the first year, I guess. And like you're, you, you, it was a full transition from like, I chase XCO and I chase world cups. And sometimes when I can, I go do these stage races, but mainly it's XCO to these big races and it's going pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, I guess let's, let's pause when we get to sea otter, uh, a
0: year ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, going into the, for first off the, like we didn't, you know, Max's factory racing certainly was not focused 100% on the Grand Prix, um, you know, for, for 2022, uh, It was, it was built around like a much, like we did a lot of racing that year and we did our, we did our best with it. We, uh, we're learning a little bit more how to structure our schedules for these long races, but yeah, 2022 was a big year. It was a big year of learning. I remember reviewing the season at the end of the year and I was kind of, uh, I guess I was just categorizing racing as ones that were completely new to me and ones that were uh, familiar to me. And it was more than two-thirds of the racing was all new, which is um, which is super significant because there is a lot of uh, benefits to having experience at these races, knowing how the race plays out, uh, the flow of things, the terrain, all these pieces that are – as important or more important as your kind of physical preparation to perform in these races. So yeah, it was all new, um, which was a challenge, but it was also super exciting. And yeah, the season overall went, um, very well. Uh, yeah, I finished sixth overall. Um, I think going into big sugar, it was myself Lachlan and Rob Britton all tied for points. Um, and Big Sugar would determine the order of us. Um, and I came in on top of that, which was, uh, yeah, I mean, to to still hold it together that deep in the season, I was really proud of. And um, yeah, so I was super happy with the performance there. I think it also has to be mentioned that, you know, 2022 was the first year for the Grand Prix. It was new for everybody. Everyone was in this position of learning on how everything worked how to um you know i think a lot of people struggled with performing um or or at least some people struggled with like performing for that length of time basically from april till end of october and this this was not really a new thing for myself or haley like we had we had been doing this for a little bit we would do um racing late, late in the season. And, um, you know, we knew how we responded to that, but, uh, what I'm getting at is the level came up in 2023 for sure. And, um, I just, I had some bad luck along the way. Um, but I also just didn't bring my level up enough to meet that. Um, and part of that is, um, you know, the races that I focused on and, uh, the scheduling and the number of races that I did. And
1: yeah, so. Well, cause you, you certainly you know, did have some really good results in 23. You, you yeah. get third at whiskey off road, you win the uh, stage of the Belgium mountain bike classic, you win BC bike race again, which was, that was a big deal. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing that not just on your social media, but all over the place. And <clears throat> You won a UCI gravel race in Canada. So, you know, people can can look at if they just look at your lifetime Grand Prix results past Sea Otter, they might think you didn't have a good season. But your results outside of the Grand Prix were awesome. Totally. Yeah. And so how did you how did you feel about your season and how did you feel, I guess, about your prospects of like what what am I going to do in 2024? was it clear cut for you that like i'm not getting in or were you like i i have no
0: idea (laughs) yeah i mean thanks Uh, um it 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 was a it was kind of 2023 was a mixed bag like you said there was some really great rides um and some races that i really enjoyed and then yeah a little bit of bad luck in the grand prix but yeah uh at the end of the grand prix season it just it just felt like i didn't I didn't give it it just didn't feel good to finish in the spot that I did um it wasn't the best that I could do so I I was hoping I would get in again um I was lucky to get in for 24 and it's uh yeah I definitely have some unfinished business there I I want to the levels coming up it's probably coming up again um and I would like to meet that and try to perform against, uh, yeah, some of the best riders in North America. And, you know, a lot of international riders are coming too. So it's a, I mean, the thing I really love about the Grand Prix is that it is, um, it is super competitive. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's no, I love the, uh, I like a lot of the, the, the events in the Grand Prix. Um, there's, there's nothing there for me in terms of like a technical mountain bike race. And I can find that elsewhere. Like I, the, there's, there's going to be, um, plenty of mountain bike racing on my schedule. That's going to scrap, uh, yeah, scratch that itch. Um, but yeah, the, what draws me into the Grand Prix is this just, everyone's there everyone's focusing on it the level's super high um you need to perform super well on the day have some luck and it's being in that sort of position racing is it's it's super cool yeah and it's a lot of fun so when you, when you go
1: through a season like you did, you have the, the like highest of highs, winning BC Bike Race, doing well in these, uh, you know, in Belgium in this race, stage race. Um, and then you have, like, Lifetime Grand Prix results that everybody in America that's stoked on racing pays more attention to maybe. How hard is it? Because I'm digging through your social media as I'm getting ready for this interview, and I just look at some of your your posts after lifetime grand prix races that didn't exactly go well obviously unbound is probably the top of your list where you're like i did not plan to pet kittens today i wanted to race my bike yeah totally i i'm curious of the mentality like i'm an amateur if my race doesn't go well i can like it's no big deal and people come here to hear stories just about living life with mental health and how i look at things it's totally different for you because it's your job. Uh, how hard is it to post about things on a bad day when you know a lot of people out there just want you to get to the point where you tell them what place you got or how it really went? Um, is there hesitation in that I've kind of got the vibe in the pro field where people are starting to be like, I'm going to truth tell on here a little bit more about how I actually feel. Mm. What is it like to share those things? And I think that's a really good thing if we're going to truth tell a little more. And not be so like, you know, pro lifestyle is just the sexiest thing ever. Because I think you guys are grinding through this, like, it is your job. And yet we're supposed to all think that it's this just like unbelievable, you get to go do your hobby and that's so fun, Mm. right? And I don't think that's reality. And so yeah, what is it like as a pro when you have to post and you haven't, you haven't had the best day?
0: Yeah, I think... I think I try on my social media to not, not make the primary story about the results. I think there's a whole lot more that goes on out there compared with the results or, um, you know, along with what happens, um, people, uh, I mean, people like success stories. They like being a part of that. Um, so of course when, when we have success, it's great to share, it's great for our sponsors. So we do that, but, um, I mean, that's sort of part of the motivation between, uh, with off-road inroads is, is providing a little bit more context to what happens out on, out on the race course and sort of my uh favorite parts of bike racing are those kind of post-ride storytelling uh moments where you're um just trying to sort through what happened on the day because it's everything all, so much happens it all happens so quickly and yeah I mean that's my favorite part and I I do try to share that um as much as I can. And I think, I mean, it's for my own benefit too. It's kind of like, I, I don't get that anxiety about posting about a bad race. Cause I try not to make that like the only thing I talk about.
1: That's, that's what yeah. I was going to ask you is, is you said like, I, I try not to focus on the result. That was your like very first thing you said to my question. Is that because that's just how you naturally think? like you you get back to the house or whatever and you and Haley you're just like this is what happened not necessarily this is my place
0: um, I think it's a it's it's a mixture I'm like a I'm a highly competitive person but I also see the nuance and the value to what we're doing um, you know you're not every day is not gonna be absolutely perfect um, and the i i really i really love the experience of bike racing and sharing about that is uh i mean that's important to me i think that's valuable and i i hopefully people appreciate it but um yeah i don't know if i <laughs> if i answered your question there um no it's but it's i mean all good i th- i think throughout a season um I'm going to try to show up to most races, uh, in having done my homework, preparation, all those things to give my, give myself a shot at a good performance and it may or may not happen. And there's some races that suit me better than others. Um, and in general, like we're mostly going to be losing, um, these races like there's uh so I think you do have to keep that um keep that in mind when 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 wins do come around it's like it it's amazing it feels really good it makes all those other days where things might not um go so well even better um but I also I think I think probably the more important thing to share is that i i've been doing this for a long time and if if i was super hard on myself or super upset after every day that didn't go perfectly that i wouldn't still be racing like it's it's just too hard to beat yourself up like that all the time and i think i yeah i'm not sure exactly when i decided to not do that um, it was probably working with my coaches or sports, uh, mental performance consultant or maybe just Haley, but yeah, at one point decided just not to worry about it as much and, um, take it all, you know, keep the bigger picture in mind. Um, and yeah, not, in, not, not die by one bad race result or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really well said. You've talked a lot about Haley and her importance uh, in all of this. And if people aren't paying attention by this point, they haven't, you've threaded her in through all of this. And I haven't <laughs> asked you directly about her yet. And I think that's awesome. And I think it speaks to your relationship. And, and that is my next question is what is it like to do life uh, when your partner does the exact same thing as you do? And sometimes has been a lot more successful. Um, you know, when we speak specifically about like world cup mountain bike racing and she was on podium, just sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, you know, I think we talked about 2019 earlier and she gets fifth at Albstadt, And then like two weeks later, or the next week gets third at Nova Mesto. And yeah. What is it like to live life together like that and share in each other's successes and also get to cheer her on as she does her thing yeah just t- I don't even know where to go yeah. with it yeah
0: yeah I think that's a it's a good question and it's not again it's like these things are all um, things you learn through experience on how to deal with it there was definitely times where um, I had feelings of Jealousy or feeling less than when comparing myself to to Haley as, you know, as maybe most people would just because she is quite um, she's been very successful in this sport. Um, But again, it's it's just something um, like it wasn't it wasn't really serving me. It doesn't help our relationship. It um, makes me feel, um, makes me feel worse. And it also detracts from me celebrating her success, you know, if I'm focused on myself or how I'm feeling about it. So, um, yeah, over time I've learned to like, we've both learned to celebrate each other. And if one of us is having a good day, then we're both winning. Um, of course there's a bit of competitiveness there. uh, You know, we sometimes, we sometimes joke about like, uh, well, we'll definitely just, uh, if we both did well or something, we'll joke about, uh, who did better or, um, you know, stuff along those lines, but yeah, it's, it's a process. Um, the great thing about doing this together is we get to do it together. Uh, so yeah, we're, um. Doing this sport requires a lot of travel, a lot of time on the road. And the benefit of us doing it together is that we, we don't have to say goodbye when we kind of go to work, go to races. Um, that does bring on some challenges as well. Uh, like, for example, when we raced World Cups. Um, yeah, I mean, there's it's it's tricky to remove yourself from being, um, a partner and like, uh, being concerned about, uh, your partner's performance, how they're racing, that sort of thing. Um, while you're trying to also focus on what you're doing. So, you know, at the world cup, for example, the elite women race, race a few hours before we do. So, there's always that, you know, if something happens to Haley in that race, uh, or she's having a bad day or something, that uh may or may not affect how how I race. I I think I generally got pretty good at um, you know, not engaging. Basically how, how I had long, to
1: how long did that take you to learn that?
0: I don't really know. Um Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's sort of, it was just the skill of, um, you know, focusing on what I needed to do. And, um, I think I probably just connected it to task. Like these are the things that I need to do before I, I race and keep myself focused on those things so that there's not, um, space, uh, we'd also work together to, um, maybe not even see each other before I raced, uh, uh, just cause then, yeah, there's not, there's not that opportunity, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, affect one another. Um, but now it's interesting. We race together. Like sometimes we, we start and it's a whole new thing. Uh, like at Unbound this year, uh, Haley, uh, so I got caught up in the mud Drailer got ripped off. That was kind of the end of the day. And Haley passed me while I was kind of race over on the side of the trail. So that's also a really interesting challenge for her because she sees... Was,
1: Was there an interaction?
0: Yes, for sure. Um, I explained briefly what had happened and then she just kept rolling. I forget what she said, but, uh, I don't know, maybe some words of encouragement, but you know, she knew the kind of preparation I put into this, the kind of form that I was in after um, the stage race in Belgium, and yeah, uh, it was definitely heartbreaking. And she she definitely took that on, and then she she was also on like a challenging day as everyone was at that race last year. And she had another 10 hours to go after she saw, she saw me there. So yeah, it's, uh, there's tons of benefits to doing this, uh, with your significant other. Um, and there's also lots of challenges that, you know, have taken time to learn, learn how to manage um, and yeah, do our best with.
1: Well, and you, you're entering a new period in your life together essentially, and that you're not going to be, or you're not on the same team for the first time in, did you tell me 11 or 12 years that this, you have yeah. been on the same team?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, that's, uh Yeah.
1: Tell, tell us about like, what, what have those conversations been like between you two as you just think about like, obviously some things are going to totally stay the same and some things are going to be
0: very different. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of those, these conversations started, um, in the summer, um, when, uh, when Haley was talking with, with different teams for different options and, uh, yeah. Um, I think a lot of the conversations with us were just surrounding whether it's a good opportunity for her and how can we make it work together? And there was two things there. Like, um, I guess a lot of the decision-making was based around, yeah, the opportunity and then leaving, you know, uh, against leaving being teammates with me or leaving Max's factory racing. Um, and yeah, I think we we talked through it. It was uh it took a while actually. Um like it wasn't a one night conversation. It probably we slowly talked about it over a couple months. Um and I don't think it fully sunk in until um I think I actually where i was going but i i wrote an instagram post about it uh maybe it was maybe it was on my way to california to do um the ride down the coast with my friend rob um but i wrote it out i wrote it out on instagram to do a post and then it was like whoa it it kind of sunk in and the uh it felt very real um But, but yeah, I think the other side of the conversation was like, how can this be good for us? Um, I think space is also good in relationships. Um, I think we'll have lots more to talk about maybe since we're spending a little less time together. Um, and I think some of the conversations are just trying to make the time that we do spend together just a little, maybe a little better, higher quality. Um, no,
1: I, I was ahead. just gonna say, I think I think everybody's kind of excited for both of you, and also like couples that do a lot of things together, uh, we're kind of watching and being like, yeah, let's, this is exciting, sure. um, because you're both also like very chill people, and so we have utmost faith this is going to be really good. Um, but yeah, it's just always interesting to hear the thought process of how you arrived where you did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, things, things are always changing in life. So I think, uh, yeah, you got to roll with it and make the best out of this, you know, whatever path gets uh, laid out in front and roll with it. And, uh, yeah, we'll do our best and we'll have some fun with it. And yeah, I mean, we're still, we're here in Santa Cruz together. We're still getting to do, uh, a lot of this, thing together we'll probably get the opportunity to do maybe a couple races without our teams and just the two of us um you know races that aren't aren't on the team schedule uh so that will be good and of course we'll be at 90 percent of the same races so we'll just have to uh you know maybe we'll get to sleep better because we won't be sharing a bed but <laughs> yeah maybe that'll be the, the that'll be the main. Uh, Main performance benefit there.
1: So I would be remiss to bring you on the show. Obviously, we're going to talk about bikes and mentality, and we've done a ton of that so far, but I'm always going to talk about mental health, um, and I'm pretty targeted about who I bring on. Um, you threw your hand up in the air last year when I was working on a collaboration um, with Flow Formulas and Nina Machina for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And like, I've been dying to ask you, like, in person, like, and I, and I think I know the answer, but I, I just want to talk through, like, why is getting out there and being vocal about mental health awareness such an important thing to you? And I think that's going to transition us probably into our last question, but let's start there. Is Like, why why were you so eager to just speak about the importance of that?
0: I mean, I think, like, I guess... Because of um, my relationship with Haley, she's very outspoken about it. I've learned a lot about it to, well, yeah, to try to support her along the way that it doesn't, it's not like a big stretch for me to talk about it. I feel like it's a part of, you know, part of the conversations that we have. Um, And it's a, yeah, a real thing we talk about and, um, yeah, so it it wasn't like a big stretch for me to put out my hand there and uh, support what you were doing and and support our sponsor. So yeah, I think that's that's probably the the main piece. Um, and yeah, I think um, you know I'm I guess I'm in a unique maybe not a super unique position, but I am in a position to share with like on the side of things of supporting someone um, that for, has for sure uh, for you know for sure challenges. and
1: yeah for sure and that's you know as we messaged back and forth like that's one of the primary reasons I wanted to have this discussion with you because you know Taylor Ledeen and I can sit down and talk and that he's the previous guest but yep. he and I can sit about sit down and talk about our own struggles and a lot of people are going to relate to that But what I often hear as I've started to go and speak and as I talk to other people and as I teach is so many people are scared to go and get help if they need it themselves because they're scared of everyone around them thinking what they're going to think, whether it's their loved ones or their friends or their parents or their spouse. And and I can remember being in that same situation and... I I look at you and you're a guy who you were there with Haley, and a, as she was going through her struggles, and you're still standing there super strong, and I think you can speak much better to everyone from the the support place like you just hmm. said, um, and, and put words to it, and and I guess so that's that's kind of where I want to start is. Like, you, you lived this with her. You know, we talked earlier about her coming across the line in Novi Mesto and she's third and she, you know, has this awesome celebration. And then over the next, like, two years, everything kind of falls apart on her. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you, you don't need to uh, necessarily tell her story and, and tell how things fell apart or why, but I want to hear more of, like, you're sitting there watching all this go on. Did you know right away this is a mental health issue or were you just kind of like man something's wrong and I like yeah take us through it man I don't yeah. know how to give it a lot of work I I haven't lived your position I've lived her position
0: <laughs> Yeah totally um Yeah I mean Haley Haley was diagnosed and hospitalized um for an eating disorder quite young so mental mental illness has been there um, for a little bit. And I was familiar with that, but the, yeah, it is really tricky because when you live with someone, the the decline is, it's, it doesn't happen all at once. Um, or like the, the challenges that arise with it. It's not just a light switch. It's super gradual. At least that's my experience. Um, so it is hard to, it's hard it's hard to like step out of that and be like okay well, this is a this is a tough position we need to we need to act on this we need to we need to get some help and so so that's a tricky thing but i think i mean i think the main thing that i want to share in speaking about being a kind of a support person and maybe you can uh maybe some of this resonates with you on the people that have helped you but I think the main thing is to have the skill of, um, patience and to remove yourself from the situation and not take things personally. Um, because if, if you, if you get on unstable ground as a support person, you're not going to be super helpful. (laughs) Um, and it is it is extremely chap it's i mean it's challenging um and so yeah through through practice um i think i was able to stay quite calm um and be able to be continue to be supportive if there was uh yeah just some challenges arising like a particularly bad day uh a lot of anxiety those sorts of things um and i think i would also add that i had people to support me so that i didn't have to lean so much on haley and she when she wasn't really in a position to offer um, offer a ton of support. So I leaned heavily on my coach and my mental performance, uh, consulted in those, um, those, uh, those months. Um, because yeah, that was the best opportunity for me to support my own m- mental health while, uh, yeah. And just, yeah. Talk to somebody else about it, you know? Um, so I think that, 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 That's kind of like the main things. Um, I don't know if you have any questions on that or if that resonates with you on maybe your experience.
1: Most definitely. And like, obviously, you, you said you dealt with this, like you or you knew, dealt with not the right term. You knew what Haley had dealt with prior with the eating disorder and those pieces. And you were... You are already married at this time. Uh, is that correct? Um, Kind of in the, like, n- you got married right around the pandemic.
0: Is that right? We got married in 2020. Okay.
1: Yeah. Pre-pandemic yeah, so we were
0: in the middle of the mess? Pre- in, the, in, the middle of, in the middle of the mess, yeah. But okay. we had been together for a lot of years before that.
1: Okay, and then she became very vocal about her struggles. I would say, like in twenty one, is that correct?
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, maybe. I think there's probably some stuff before that, but something like that. Okay, and I guess my
1: my big question is, or not my question. My point is, like, you were you were her like closest loved one through a lot of the stuff she's gone through. And so many times we worry when we need to ask for help that like man what are our loved ones going to think of us? you weren't going anywhere is my guess
0: it, totally exactly it, it it doesn't really change anything for me you know like we're uh, we had been together for a long time, we were engaged we were going to get married or were married, and we had committed to each other so it's it's just yeah, it's not really it's not really changing anything. You you were
1: gonna um, figure this out,
0: exactly. Yeah, both of us were. Um, and it's I mean a ton of work on her end and a uh, some work on my end to, to get through it and and we did and um, yeah. You
1: you had mentioned watching, you know, the decline is is like a you know, and I would say like kind of like a fader more than a light switch, mm-hmm. and. For you, you said i had I had to learn how to deal with this or how to like work through this myself Was your process kind of to where you are today? Was that also kind of like a fader versus a light switch, or were there some of those light bulb moments along the way for you
0: um yeah, probably a mixture i think I do think um, I think sport. Sport gives you the opportunity to learn a lot of different things, um, in the context of sport, but that are super helpful in life. So I think there is probably a lot of learning both through coaches, mentors, other people I've worked with, and a lot of reading I've done, um, just on mental performance, um, these sorts of things. So I think, um it was, it was sort of a combination of reaching to grab a few tools that I might have had in my toolbox and then maybe, um, maybe sharpening them, you know, for this situation. Um, yeah, I'd say that, that sort of, so like, yeah, a mixture of, um, you know, building up the skill set to uh or you know yeah building up the skill set to um help support in the situation as best i could and i think i should also say that it's not like um i was perf- very good all the time at it um i probably um yeah didn't uh, i probably didn't deal with some situations as best i could but sometimes you uh you either don't have the energy or you're just not in a position to, um, and yeah.
1: But ultimately you, you kept putting in the work and that's, that's super valuable to hear that oftentimes people in that support role don't understand as they see their loved one needing the help that they need to start putting some work into, to understand kind of what the heck's actually going on here or how can I best be of service. And so, yeah. uh, and you, you mentioned toolbox for yourself, uh, Taylor and I talk a lot about our own personal toolbox for how we work through all this. Um, and it is, it, this is like, uh, we're a community, you know, and we all have to have our part. And some of us need a different kind of toolbox than everybody else, but ultimately we all have them so that we can support one another. And I think that's so well said on your part.
0: Well, yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, and I do, yeah, I think, um, I don't know what your background is early on in sport, but I do think there's just an incredible, like incredible value to support to sport for building up like life experiences and life lessons that are going to help you with shit stuff that's far more important than sport, <laughs> like supporting your loved one um so i see that as i mean i see sport as um just practice for life and you i'm both of us everyone we're all going to come across stuff that's way more important, um, challenging and yeah, hopefully sport will have prepared us to, to meet those challenges in the best possible way.
1: For sure. And, and you will smile when I say this, but for anybody who's a parent or coach that is like, how do I do this? How do I implement this stuff? the The number one book that changed my life about fifteen years ago as a coach was I came across the long term athletic development model uh, that was coming out of Canada. Uh, it mm, today yeah. it today can be bought as a textbook uh, on Amazon. Don't cough at the price. It's totally worth every dollar of it. Uh, it will tell you how to talk to kids at certain ages. It will tell you activities. It will break your brain on life paradigm on how to teach kids how to, to play sport and what's important and what's not. And and it truly, when we start to look at sport in that way, whatever the sport is, um, it, it changes why we walk out there every day, whether it's ourselves or with kids, because it, it does get into all these other things that are so much more important. Um, and and I love talking to Canadian athletes because I Oof. can always tell that you've come through like some form of that thinking or through the, you know, your Olympic training programs e- also are like really built heavily around this uh, LTAD model, and it's kind of a foreign concept in the United States um, to mm-hmm. really embrace these ideas because they're so like uh, opposite of how we tend to think about sports here in America. But yeah, LTAD model, long-term athletic development. It is. It'll change your life. Parents should read it too.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I've definitely I've had two primary coaches in my life, and they would have um, uh, gone through gone through that the coaching program in Canada based on the LTAD, and the coach I worked with the longest, um, yeah, probably helped shape some of that. Um, and yeah, interesting, interesting to hear that you can see a trend. Um, but yeah, there, uh, yeah, no doubt I've been influenced by, um, that, that model and, um, yeah
1: it's it's amazing it's truly amazing and like i found it when it was like a pdf you could print online and it was like in its like uh beta mode which would have been like i said like 15 years ago but now it's they have the research and they show it works and it's awesome so yeah yeah. cool very cool Andrew thanks for uh thanks for being on today. This has been a really good conversation, really uh incredible and we went a, a few places I didn't expect to go, but it's great. And uh where can people find you on socials or wherever if they want to follow along with your story or get in touch with you?
0: Yeah. Um but thanks thanks a lot for having me. Uh first off, John, I appreciate it and uh, yeah. Um best place to find me is on Instagram. I try my best to share the story, share the journey over there. My handle is Andrew Lesby. Uh at yeah, at Andrew Lesby. And yeah, um, not sure what we're doing with our podcast this year, uh for the coming year, but maybe maybe you'll hear me on there as well, and that's the Off Road In Roads Podcast
1: we We hope it resumes because it is the soundtrack of a lot of my training rides, so it's yes, uh thank you. it's good chill stuff. Uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this is Maxis Factory Racing Andrew Lesperance. Thanks for listening today. If you're looking for more content, you can head over to the stable cyclist YouTube channel where the feature length film Matahe just dropped a week ago. Also, if you want to follow along with me on Instagram, you can find me at The Stable Cyclist. The Stable Cyclist podcast is a twice-monthly show where we talk about bikes, mentality, and mental health. Thanks for listening. Have an amazing day. And most importantly, remember your love.